the past, the present, the future. This is Friday Night Fright. What the planet is listening to. And here we go. I got this Halloween too. Pumped Florida. And we're starting Haddonfield, Illinois, as you do Haddonfield. Where the first movie ended. October 31st, 1978. Picking up straight where it left off, guys. Straight where it left off. Got my Coke. All direct pickup from where the last move left off. Oh, man, that's awesome. Um, I don't think it's that subtitles, so, and I can't find headphones, so I can't put sound on, not really, so hopefully it doesn't show up on this podcast. We cut to the My Strode residence, is that where the last movie ended? You know, some of that trademark carpenter, slow, methodical direction. Laurie turning those two little brats to piss off. No, I can't remember whether this new footage or not, but the two brats are running off. Big noise outside, I'm annoyed it was going on. I mean, my hotel room. People are very loud in Florida. So, Laurie, oh, we're going to get footage from the end of the last movie. We're going to drag this out. Michael rises from behind the couch. The shape looks at her, slow, methodical look. The kids run at house, and they're going to run to Loomis, who's sort of like, I'm swarming by your house, kiddies. And they're like, there's a bad man, there's a bad man in the house, Mr. Loomis. And Loomis is like, there's a bad man in the house, I gotta go to the bad man in the house. As Laurie rises and Michael rises with him, perfect synchronicity like they were synchronized with it. And if you remember, Mike, this is basically boxing match of century. Michael's like, oh, I'll kill you, Laurie. And Laurie's like, no, you won't, I'm gonna chill out here for a sec. But Michael ambles up behind her. And Laurie walks off, Michael's like, oh, I have to walk further, you arsehole. So she goes in the living room, and then Michael strikes, chokehold. He's trying to choke her out. Chokeouts are legal in this fight. Laurie's like, no, 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 no. Loomis runs in, so I'm old, but Michael, I'm, I'm bad, man, I'm bad, motherfucker. Laurie rips Michael's mask off, and Loomis points a gun, and Michael puts mask on, back on him. Bang, 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 and he keeps shooting, and Michael's like, rah! and Mike's like, rah, rah. and he falls, oh shit, balcony dive, oh no, and Michael's down, folks, Michael's down, gonna get retcon here, folks, and drag this shit out of time, Laurie's crying, good Jamie Lee Curtis performance, she's sort of like, who are you, and Loomis is like, oh, I'm a, I'm a bad man, I'm a bad mama jama, I'm a bad mama jama, and he's like, it's fucking it's evil down there. It's evil. And she's like, what? And he's like, he's an evil boy. And then he looks over the balcony. But lo and behold, this entire... Disney catches up day. Michael's gone. And music plays. And Loomis like, oh, fuck. Oh, no. And he runs outside new footage. And he's sort of like, Michael! 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 Michael's not there, and Loomis is like, fuck, what the fuck, fuck, shit, fuck, bollocks. Exclusive narration. Shit, wow, motherfucker. Where's this motherfucker? Loomis touches ground, and his blade's like, he bled, he bled, he bleeds seven days and don't die, motherfucker. He looks at camera, and he's like, oh shit, oh fuck, oh shit, oh bollocks, oh wang, oh motherfucker. Where's Michael? Michael, Michael! He's so angry. That music you can hear, that's in Loomis's head. And the light goes on nearby, and someone runs out. She's like, oh, fuck's this shit going on? And Loomis like, shut your mouth. 
<laughs> Loomis outright being out loud. Like, he murdered people. Ash Allen, he ain't dead. And he's got to find Michael. And Laurie's still in her house. And there's a bunch of people in danger. And Loomis is like, Laurie, Laurie, Laurie. And that's the intro. Because they needed to give us 20 seconds extra footage of Loomis saying, Fuck, fuck, bollocks up. Last day. Or do you the Laurent test movie? So it may or may not have made profit. Oh, and that's harsh, but. Certainly, do you guys have any stories about Don Pleasant? Apparently, he's a real son of a bitch in real life. Anyway, this is Halloween, this is I got this Halloween 2. It's live from Florida, live-ish from Florida. I'm in my lovely hotel room. In my lovely hotel bed, because I I give you the best podcast content. And I do it from bed. And occasionally, I tease off people being on podcasts. Not in bed with me, that'd be weird, you know, in Cindy. But when in Florida, what are you going to do? you got to just lie in bed, majestic light. And hope you don't force sleep recording podcasts. Anyway, we're excited. We've got this opening credits to deal with, which is a, a Halloween lantern, a pumpkin lantern, and, you know, stuff and fans. You know, get messages because I'm popular, man. I'm very popular. I'm popular, man. I, I got connections and shit, and this opening sequences helping drag out this episode much like opening much like the uh, bit at start dragged out last four minutes of Howie and this 20 seconds more footage that was great I'm dragging shit out for as long as possible because you know I got a talk for an hour and 40 minutes and to be honest I don't that's definitely not deal oh no and 26 minutes that's wrong I'll stop falling down on iPad. It's on the iPad, by the way, because I'm um, America, so I don't have fast stick on TV, so I could have brought a Chromecast stick, but I forgot again. So, that's so many sticks. TVs need more slots, you know? You need more slots on TVs. Like, you need one here, one there, one there. You need, like, 30. Or a slot machine. A TV slot machine. That's what you need. A slot machine for the TV. And you just put in all of your slots, all slots. You know, you run, you run a slot train on the TV, and then you have everything plugged in at the same time. The electricity bit go up, but convenience bit go down. So John Carpenter wrote this. We didn't direct it. It was directed by Steve Mine, I think. It was sharp and set. Deborah Hill produced it, of course. Uh, come on. Rick Rosenvolt, he's directed a few other things. I have no, I can't remember what off the top of my head, but he's not a bad director, I don't think. I've never seen this, so maybe this is a bad directed movie. It won't be the John Carpenter version, despite the fact that he wrote it. Because obviously writing something's different than actually making it. But, you know, I've got hopes. Halloween's a weird one. I've watched most movies, haven't watched this one. And they're all watchable, I guess. And we see people running, and Michael's perspective, and dogs hate Michael, apparently. He doesn't hate dogs, he murdered one in the first movie, but now you're out on that shit later, so. Michael's just ambling, 
No. Oh, he sees Loomis in background and hides, sort of hides, but hides so he can still see everything. And I get what they're going for. They're going for the opening first movie. Although there's a cut there, which is impossible unless Michael's eyes have literally been knocked at I get where they're going for. They're going for the start of the first movie with Kid Michael. I think that's going to be something you'll notice a lot in this movie, where they'll try and ape Carpenter's visual style. And do, Rick Roseville will do a decent job, I'm sure. But Carpenter is Carpenter. Ooh, nice shot for Halloween pumpkin lantern thingy. Michael sees it and so like, here, here, here. And there's an old woman inside who's, you know, cutting up some... Oh, mayonnaise, that's disgusting. Don't do mayonnaise, kids. Don't be that... Don't be that person. Don't do it. It's a trap. She hears noise outside. And suddenly some of the scenes in New Halloween suddenly make sense. Her husband's fast asleep and she asks him if he wants mayonnaise. But no, he's fast asleep watching Night of the Living Dead. You motherfucker. You don't sleep watching Night of the Living Dead, you piece of shit. You get up. You watch that movie. You watch that shit. It's a great movie. It's Halloween. And oh shit, Michael walks in the house and oh, I like this stuff. This is kind of cool. I think John Carpenter would have done it a little bit more suspenseful. Anyway, Michael sees the knife and grabs the knife and it's a bit blurry. That's a nice touch. Oh, apparently he's not watching Night of the Limb Dead and he's watching news and they're talking about mental patients. That's quite cool because see... Husband in foreground, wife in background, and Michael in far background. That's a nicely composed shot. Anyway, Sean, Sean Carpenter really just won't show off how much he loves Night of the Living Dead. Because there's no reason for the clip to be on for a few seconds. So a woman reaches for a knife and it's not there, but there's blood there instead. Who's blood? Oh, that's creepy actually. That's a nice touch. Anyway, she freaks out and stumbles and starts screaming. And Michael's still wandering around. Is this going to be point of movies? Michael's going to wander around a lot. Because that'd be quite artistic, you know? That'd be quite an interesting sort of plot. Anyway, um, people are still running around looking for other people. We're being introduced to loads of new characters. Michael's staring at this woman who doesn't see him. How does she not see him? I suppose he's in darkness, but she goes into another house and turns lights off in that house. I'm going to call her Woman A. You know, I can't keep track of this shit. And she's making a call. That's pretty quick. That doesn't... She did that very quickly to go from outside to be making calls. So I think that was probably... I don't think she literally dialed numbers. I think she's just phoned up and someone's already ringing, I guess. You know, anyway, she's she's got short black hair. She's clearly going to be our perky, lively woman we're following in this movie. You know, to replace Laurie Strode, or at least make us think so. She seems lovely, but she's not going to last very long because this is this isn't a Richard Linklater movie. This is a Michael Myers Halloween movie. She puts radio on and gets an announcement about zombies taking over New York. Fear they for even. Oh no, she doesn't. She gets a news report about Michael Myers and then she asks his phone again. And Michael's behind her. And this is the start of Michael just killing people for no reason. And I sort of get why they went that route for long FT. But at the same time, it's like, it's to me, it's scarier if, like, 
there's a reason for it. Him just killing people for no reason. I get that some people find that in te- terrifying. So you can't reason for someone like that. But it kind of dilutes his message a bit if he's just doing it for the sake of doing it. It's like that's that's terrifying in a different way, but also it makes Michael really sort of. I don't know how to describe this, just like a character who has no logic or mission and for a horror villain, I think shit, I think you need to have that, you know, you need to have a goal, uh, a purpose, a reason for doing it it's just ambling, like movies where characters just amble around doing stuff they are actually my favourite kind of movies they don't usually involve serial killers or slashers I think all best slashers have a clear goal there was something they want to achieve. Because F characters in most movies, even characters in movies weigh amble around a lot and don't really do much. They still seem or need to have some sort of goal, even if it's a very small one. Like, in these movies, Michael's goal is to kill Laurie. You know? That's his goal. But if he just walks around killing random people, it's like, how are you achieving your goal? You know? Anyway, they take Laurie after... Laurie after the house on the stretcher. Sorry, cope. And you know, I don't know why they're doing that. That's not how the stage is in at the end of the last movie. And also, I find that kind of undermines her a bit because in the last movie, she's such a badass. She stood up Michael and all of that. And I get they're going for the realistic thing of, oh, the morning after. But at the same time, it's like. It's literally like John Carpenter never intended this movie to have a sequel. And that has. It's like, crap, crap, what I do, what I do, what I do. And this is what he's done. And I get it's going to give Laurie a bit more work to do. But, I don't know, it feels a bit dramatically false. Although, I mean, it's still an interesting avenue to explore, you know. Her being rushed to hostel and keeping it condensed in one area. Which is something which will amp up tension a fair bit. But I don't know if I entirely buy it on the storytelling level. But I guess John Carpenter's attitude was, I, they they would do it without me. I have to do it best I can and have to do it in this way, this way, and this way. I think also something for John Carpenter movies is that when you're watching them, or rather, like, he wrote the script. He didn't direct it. So the direction of the script does impact it a fair bit like I love John Carpenter you watch something like Thing for example the Thing's got lots of series of tension and good and good dialogue and stuff like that but I love that narration what is wrong with this kid he's got busted up face yeah a script's a script and even best script writer on planet can write a script but if it's not directed in a certain way it might not necessarily work that's why you see stuff like Aaron Sorkin's scripts him and Dave Fincher were a perfect team. With Sorkin writing and Dave Fincher had the visual elements necessary to make it pop. No. No, you can have script full of quotable dialogue, but if you don't have someone who can direct it worth a damn, then it's not going to work, is it? And same thing for the um, Steve Jobs movie. Oh, that's one of my favourite movies. That and Social Network. I, I love Aaron Sorkin's scripts. I know... He falls into a habit of using a lot of repeated phrases and you can see a lot of the shit pop up in his scripts and works and things like that. 
But when you pair him with an act like fucking Michael Fassbender, who just delivered it like poetry, what is wrong with this kid? Do you eat glass or something? I think this kid literally is eating glass. What the fuck? Oh, and they're bringing um, Laurie Strode in. Now, I don't know what hostels like in the 70s, but especially American hostels, but this seems really ridiculous. They'd be bringing her in on stretcher in the first case because there's nothing wrong with her. This would be this small hospital and that should be prioritised. Oh, I guess she's been cut, so go treat that. But this is... He's not even wearing gloves when he's touching wounds, this fucking asshole. This is not sanitary. And now they're giving her an injection and they haven't even asked her what she's allergic to. This is so stupid. Like, this is so bad. And he's, the doctor's given the injection, which doctors don't do. Nurses would do. Doctors don't do injections. And also, he would write something up. So there'd be some paperwork. And now they give her tablets on top of the injection as the paramedics just watch. What the fuck is this shit? Seriously. This is so silly. Now give her another injection, you assholes. You should go right first time, douchebag. She's not out. Let's give her another injection. I mean, I don't know about American hospitals, but that shit would not fly in old England. It would not fly in old England, I assure you. Not for one second. And now Loomis is driving with the sheriff. No, they're just ambling around. They're just ambling round a bit. Talking about stopping Michael. You can't stop shit with Loomis. You couldn't even stop the sequels. Couldn't even stop the sequels, you butt. Now Loomis and Cop. You know, Loomis and Cop is a spin off they want to do. How are we in Loomis and Cop? Saga, but you never got around to it. They're just driving some. The cops turn Loomis. Don't, don't. Why? Loomis should not have a gun. This guy's two barrels short of a picnic, you know. Two pickles short of a jar. Now they're arguing. Lovers quarrel. Domestics, as they would say. Haddonfield doesn't seem like a big town, so I don't understand how Loomis keeps losing Michael. Or how they conveniently keep popping up and meeting people who Michael's either attacked or being in the vicinity of. And now Michael's walking the street. Like, Michael, this is the equivalent of joking. Oh, Loomis tries to shoot Michael and cop stops him. And oh shit, oh fuck, they run Michael down and the car explodes, holy shit. What the fuck? They literally smashed into Michael and now he's burning alive. Like a cop car, holy shit. That was crazy, guys. He's plowing, that's clearly not Michael though. 
So what the fuck's that about? Police car, just this guy in the middle of the road walking around, police car barrels into him, drives him into enough truck which explodes and sets Michael on fire. Cop jumps out in the car and it's Michael Burns death. All that's cleaning up Michael Myers. And now cops are like, what the fuck do you do that for? And he's like, I, I don't know, car, I don't know, chief. And they start fighting each other. And they run off because there's been enough murder. And Loomis jumps in the car. Why would you let Loomis in the car? And why would Batsy... Oh, they drive before he's even got out. And they don't seem to give shit. And this guy's burning alive. Jesus Christ. This one... Like, John Carpenter must have been... Having a highlight of the day while writing this movie. Same news report as earlier, please. Um, the guy and nurse and paramedic watched it. Why is a paramedic there? You're meant to be sick. Going out and stopping fires and shit. And Laurie's just walking around like, fuck this shit, I'm out. And the nurse walks up to her, walks up to her, walks up to her. Nope, nope, apparently this hospital's deserted and there's no sense of geography whatsoever. So I have no idea where anyone is or what anyone's doing. A paramedic goes to check on Laurie and make sure the door's shut behind him. That's creepy. That wouldn't happen. And he gives her a look. And that's really fucked up. Her door should not be shut. And he's got he's got rape eyes. He's got rapiest eyes going on. And he reaches for her. Don't touch her. What is wrong for these people? Is this meant to be Laurie's hallucination or something? I mean, she better wake up and scream. She doesn't scream. She should. And the nurse comes in, it's like paramedics, it's like get the fuck out of here. Don't shut the door behind you, you asshole. She's like, I got, I got to check your vitals, Laurie. Your legs. I got, I got to poke your legs. This is not a very good hospital. Is this a front for Michael's Nazi cult? And take the paramedic, fuck off. Like, why is this still in room? Seriously. Oh, he, he goes to leave, but shuts the door behind him. He's going to flirt with Laurie some more. And she smiles back. What the fuck is going on? What is this weird-ass shit? You know? This is a weird-ass movie. And the upper medic's like, what the fuck are you doing? And he's like, I'm just, I'm just talking to you. He's like, dude, no, don't flirt with the patients at work, you sick fuck. We've got work to do. And the news reporter is outside the lorry strode household and there's a lot of new characters being introduced in this movie and it's losing a lot of the focus the last movie had um which is understandable you know they need to drag this shit out as long as possible but at the same time it's like can we just have a bit of focus here because ian's got to continue doing this for an hour and 10 minutes you know and he's got shit to do i won't go sit by the jacuzzi I won't go sit by jacuzzi, but now I'm doing this podcast for you guys, because I'm such a nice guy. I'm such a nice guy, and they, oh, they find a woman dead who looks slightly like, um, uh, Laurie Strode. I mean, if they're going that angle, that'd be fine, except Michael knows what Laurie looks like. This isn't like... Terminator, where he's gonna murder every Sarah Connor because he, for some reason, doesn't know what Sarah Connor looks like. You know, this is like Michael knows who Laurie is. He knows. There's no way he doesn't know what she looks like. They literally just interacted 23 minutes ago. You know? 
but apparently he's just murdering those around people. And again, I get the, the idea that someone, some force of evil, some force of evil just murders people for no reason. I get that's terrifying, but movie, you need a reason. You need a reason. Or even don't have a reason. Like, you know, I'll uh, specifically like murdering certain people. You need an idea of he's trying to get to this place, you know? <laughs> he's trying to get to this location. And there's obstacles in his way. But this doesn't have that. This is just where he walked in the house and murdered her. You know, and I just, I don't, this is not entertaining. That's not. The rest, some parts of this movie, like Loomis having fucking nervous breakdowns, entertaining. Because you imagine that's probably close to what Donald Pleasance was doing in real life, you know. It's come from my acting school of, I love, you know, acting and delivering dialogue and performing character arts. And then yes, appearing John movies like this. You know, although he did appear in a lot, and apparently he did enjoy them. And if you read Loomis's um, fucking Wikipedia page, it is particularly enjoyable because the further it goes down, like one of the things I love most about horror movies is the iconography mythology. The longer they go on, the more ridiculous they are. They appear. You know, especially if you get into like. The history of characters like Loomis, and at a certain point, it just it just gets so brilliantly silly. Like when it gets like part five, and Loomis trying to stop Michael and Nazi cult, and Loomis bonding with Jane with Laurie's daughter and stuff like that. You know, it's like and teach her how to use a telepathic powers. It's like how the fuck do you get here? Like what, what the fuck is this shit? But in an entertaining way, you know. Always an entertaining way. So. I mean, I used to love looking at that stuff as a kid. Just the back of videotapes and stuff like that. It was just so much fun. You know, to read up about history. And you'd read something like Charles Play 3. And you'd see it set in the army base. be like, that sounds like the coolest shit ever. And then you'd see Charles Play 3. And you'd be like, that's not the coolest shit ever. You know. Your your mind takes over and comes up with fantastical concepts. And how uh, and how movies could go. And sometimes they're like how in two saying hostile. Oh man, I've got ideas for that movie. You can watch movies, so like none of those things are going to happen because you know they don't have budget and they don't have patience to actually do them. So, already, this is a lot less focused on Halloween than last year. I mean, Halloween's a simple story, the first one, but... It's a compact story, you know. It's... it's I, I, I think something like... To me, the two horror movies which feel series which feel very auteur led uh wait from the first ones halloween and nightmare in street where you get two directors who added their personal touches to the movies and gave such a good blueprint of the original that no one could match it you know you get something like friday fame thing that doesn't feel like a movie made by a specific person not that it's bad it's very entertaining but there's no blueprint from the next eight, nine movies. And I know Halloween doesn't read... It 
the blueprint for Halloween. No, it's always intended to be one movie, as the Nightmare on Street was, but there was, it did give an idea of what you could do, future movies from a visual standpoint and a writing standpoint. You know, like, it feels very much like a John Carpenter movie, although John Carpenter is a genre-hopping madman. And now we're back to Hostel. I mean, I just... I get what John Carpenter's doing here. I get what Rick Rosenthal's doing. But I wish they'd... I can't wish they'd just started in hospital instead of picking up where the last movie ended. I know I don't really enjoy armchair back in too much. I mean, I do love it, but, you know. But I wish they'd not had that recap at the end of the last movie. They just jumped straight to hospital, introduced these characters, and then threw Laurie into it. Maybe they've been dealing with the deaths all night, you know, and they've got their own theories or something like that. Because the hospital is a great place to say a horror movie, you know, it's really atmospheric, it's creepy, but this doesn't really feel creepy or atmospheric. It just feels like... It feels like a nice idea, but... Not with best execution. I mean, they should really... To be honest, they should really be... Set. These characters should be really written more dynamically. So that we get the sense of... Oh, and one of these characters could take over in sequels. But they're not. None of these characters can get to sequels. Why would they? They're pretty shoddy. And also, it's very inaccurate that hospitals should run... I mean, even if John Carpenter had written something equivalent to The Finn in the hospital in terms of tension, but with Michael Myers, you know, that would have been crazy. You know? But I think that probably required Michael Myers to blend in a bit more, you know, pose as a rational person, which you could do, you know? I mean, Loomis is the only one who knows what Michael actually looks like. So Michael being able to pose as a paramedic or something like that, that would be terrifying. Then it's a case of who's, where's Michael? Or who's Michael even? But, you know, uh, when, when boardroom, as they say, when boardroom. These paramedics are really creeping me out, by the way. They look really skeevy. But they keep swapping which one's skeevier. You know, it's like... Which one's meant to be the disgusting pervert? You know? And the movie doesn't really seem sure which one it wants to be more of a pervert. They're both weird, though. They both have that... I mean, obviously, it's not... I'm not saying these characters are, you know, that way inclined or anything like that, but they give vibe of Wes Graven sort of... Some characters from his early works where they're this, like, ineffectual, weird, you know, but also vaguely terrifying. And this scene's dark as shit. Why was that in the movie? What a weird scene. And now we're going floating through hallway. Even these floating through hallway scenes, they lack that carpenter grace, you know? Cause it, especially because there's no way these people wouldn't see Michael. He's clear as day. Negan nurse reporting for duty. You know, 
very American nurse, no English nurses dressed like that. I don't know if they did in the 70s, but she's skipping. She's wearing a very form-fitting uniform. I, I know some modern aging all that, but you've got, you've got to call them how you see them. Distant background. I'll just do tightening up her outfit and a silly hat. And the doctor nurse in charge is like, Oh no, you didn't. Oh no, you didn't, woman. Oh no, you didn't. No, they're having a discussion. And the other one's like, You, you, you. And the other one's like, Me, me, me. And she's like, Oh no, you, 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 you. As you do. This is not as good as I hoped it's Halloween one. And this movie's not as good, so what can do. This paramedic is so fucking weird. Don't sit on her bed, you weirdo. Fucking weirdo. Seriously, what weirdo? She's trying to sleep. She's just had a traumatic experience. I mean, she shouldn't be in hospital in the first place. She should be let go hours ago because, you know, they need beds for other people. There's a bed shortage, you know? Laurie, Laurie, Laurie. Laurie, 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 Pick them up, bring them to hospital, take them to morgue. And that's the thing, like, in theory, a hospital for weird people who Laurie doesn't really know how to interact with would be great, but instead we're just getting this stream of rubbish. Like, I don't... I don't understand how to really say it, other than the fact this is really boring. You know, this is a really boring movie, and I got an hour left, and it's too early to drink beer. So you know, yeah. So I'm looking forward to Doctor Sleep episode next week. I think doing a book review and a movie review will make for an interesting change, um, change of pace. So you know, I'm also looking forward to getting breakfast today because I can't do it till after this movie is over. You know. You gotta finish the movie and then you get reward, you know. I just wondering if I'll have cereal or whether I'll go down to the you know, pool and get something more substantial to eat because I'm kind of hungry today. Well, I, I, I've worked hard. I've, if I do this podcast, I've worked really hard. And by the time the movie's over, the poolside bar will be open, so maybe I can get something to eat. Or maybe I'll go to the um, diner uh, across the road. You know, that'd be cool. You know, like, American food's nice, but or maybe I'll go to McDonald's. Actually, that's a good point. I'd go to Mickey D's. That'd be nice. You know, you got lots of options, which is good. Um, options are key, fundamental to understanding all that jazz. 
know, lots of places to go to eat, things to do, people to see, as they put it. I really want to go in Jacuzzi, though. Oh, I watched um, an episode of Batwoman last night. I haven't seen series today, so that was um, interesting. I don't know if I like it. I don't know if I dislike it, but it was episode four or something like that. It was watchable, you know. I, I think... Ruby Rose has kind of fallen, not fallen, but she's kind of in the same place that Stephen, Stephen Amell was when he started doing the series, where she's got growing to it a bit, you know, got to get more comfortable with character and all of that. But I think as time goes on, she'll be really good. I mean, there's parts I really like. For example, the main first of the episode was um her saving day by using her cape to block explosions and I liked the fact that it wasn't just her beating people up it was her using her brains and her technology and things like that which was pretty cool you know so I liked it sorry I mean my only issue with Batwoman and this is a very mine one I wish it had been set on um, suit on Kara's Earth so Earth 38 I think that would have been cool I mean, I, I I get why they didn't. So it's not a problem. It's just at, at all the opposite problem. And when that fat cop is walking around shining a flashlight everywhere, this movie's really dimly lit. I can't make out shit. But he's I'm getting texts all the time too. But he's he's doping. He's fat, and he's clearly going to die bloodily. But again, that raises the question: Why does Michael need to kill all these people? You know, there's no reason. He he can literally vanish in thin air. It's like he's just playing with them, but that conflicts with his base characterization. You know, I think they want to go down the he's just pure evil route, but then sometimes he murders people and sometimes he doesn't. So there's no real pattern to it. Also, it's really dimly lit. So. That doesn't hit matters because you can't really make out anything. And there's no making out either. On my end or movie's end, which is, you know, what can you do? It's like 54 minutes of this left. I mean, that's not bad, you know. I, I've had worse scenarios. But I might go make breakfast in a sec because I'm quite hungry. Actually, that's the point. I'll go. I'll put, should I put coffee on? No, I'll tough out for a bit longer I think anyway hang, I just got a note on my phone saying I should do a handle watch which I haven't done in ages I know a lot of features go by wayside for this podcast but that's the joy of doing this on a weekly basis you just you know keep playing on and okay hope that story arts will come back around I mean like I said I'll finally be getting to Bay and Grave Encounters 2 on December 31st um, you've got Star Wars coming up soon can probably have no more announcements by the end of this podcast special more announcements that I know I'll just regret saying because I don't have time to do them but I think I, I think I would hopefully in addition to podcast specials I'd like to start another one I still know what for I was hoping to do a Friday 13th one but it's the problem is that really that should be done on Fridays and ending 13. But then, like, the problem with that is that that's when Friday Night Friday airs. So do I not do a weekly episode on those days? I mean, I have to. So 
So maybe I'll do that. Maybe I'll be like, if you've seen WCW, uh, or if you watched WCW back in the day, you'll know they did Clash of Champions F1. Thing. Wow, it wasn't like set time every year. It's just, you know, when they felt like doing one. And when Michael is not there, if that cop bursts into a cleaner's cupboard, doesn't find anything, goes, rawr, 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 rawr. he's so fat. And I know hate to reduce actors to those sort of comments like he's fat and all of that but when your movie's given me nothing to work with you know and I'm not in very I'm not necessarily the most creative person today so oh I've been writing this script though by the way it's um it's quite a cool script yeah I, this movie's failing for me so it's not a lot of tension it's like it's dimly lit but dimly lit doesn't make tension you know you need scenes of tenseness and also, they're not re-establishing these characters, so we're getting a lot less um, Jamie Lee Curtis and Loomis. Oh. Like, a hammer to have the cop. So he's dead. But, like... And the nurse shouting at him, he's sort of like, you want to spawn? Fine, douchebag. But, I mean, you, you guys know what I mean, right? This is just... To... The job of this movie doesn't add up. <clears throat> like, I don't know what, where people are in given time in this hospital. Okay. Anyway, they're doing a, they're trying doing autopsy of the burn man. Who had a wig that was different to Michael's, which I don't follow, you know. They're trying to see if it's Michael Myers, but clearly wasn't Michael Myers. But movie has to pretend that it might be to try and get some to try and get to an hour forty, however it can. And this isn't really equivalent for the autopsy scene thing, is it? So you know, no cops giving speech of need to sweep and all that shit. I take back my um my thing about Halloween movies all being baseline watchable. This is not a very good movie. Um, there's no tenseness to it. There's no real life to it. Um, it's ambling. Like like there's loads of interesting ideas. Like people throwing rocks at this Myers and Strode house and things like that. There's so many great ideas. The hospital's an amazing idea. Like, Loomis being lured off the track is an amazing idea. Loring being so traumatised is an amazing idea. But amazing ideas need, firstly, be put on page in a good way, which, you know, bless him, I don't think Carpenter's been was particularly bothered about the script or put his best foot forward and the other thing is they need to be shot in an interesting way and it's not it's baseline characters shot poorly and now so Loomis is back at Myers and Stroh's house where the cops think Michael Myers might be but Michael's at hospital and it's not a very big hospital and I don't understand geography of it but there's no reason Michael wouldn't have been able to get to Laurie already but for the fact that he shouldn't know she's in hospital because he never saw her leaving the ambulance you know and if he does know she's in hospital he'd know she's in one of the rooms so why is he murdering random people and taking his time doing it like it 
I get they're probably going for a free acts thing, but the entire if they were going to do this, the entire movie should have taken place at hospital. One location, one tense location, Michael trying to get to Laurie but not knowing where she is or something like that. I don't know, fucking you know, um I'm not saying I could have done a better job. I'm just saying they should have done a better job. Like, it seems the cop offering Loomis cigarette. We haven't had any time to see them bond yet. Or any sort of bonding between them, of course, of this movie or even last movie. So the moment where he's sort of like, do you want a cigarette? That should be a moment of we're a team now. We're, we're a fucking team. We're going we're gonna to fuck Michael up. But it's not. <sighs> Podcast specials, am I right? Oh, two random kids. Oh, are these paramedics? I don't fucking know anymore. No. Why is this movie so dimly lit? This really does seem like a made for TV movie. No. There's some really bad lighting going on here. It's like very minimal, even outside. It's like really base lighting, and it's not doing any of the actors any favours. Or any of characters, or even any of settings, you know. It's like look at look at our movie. Look how we can't afford a lighting system. Like that shot of hostel is awful. Establishing shot of hostel where you can barely see anything. Now we're back with the nurse and form-fitting outfit, and she's counting tablets, but you don't have any patience. And alarm goes off, and she laughs, which you know is quite accurate. Why is she counting all tablets? You know, you only have one patient. Literally only have one patient in this entire place. Sorry, I'm going back to the pillows, my backwards. From carrying this podcast. Aha! Now the nurse is walking down. Instantly, she's had more fucking screen time than Laurie's had in this movie so far. And we know nothing about her. Who she is. What her goals are. And now a patient is trying to assault her? No, it's a paramedic. Sorry, a paramedic was trying to assault the nurse? But why'd she go in the room? What was her objective going into the room? What the fuck? What is going on in this movie? Then relationship? Like, why was she in the room? Why was she surprised he was in the room? And, and why are they bantering? And why isn't she concerned that he's tried to molest her? Oh, are they dating? Oh, I guess they're dating. But, like, this... What is going on? What are the politics of this movie? When she's taking her outfit off. Are they living in the hospital? Like, what is going on? Well, clearly, there's something going on between them, but... What was the fucking... What were these politics in the late 70s, early 80s? You know, I don't think John Carpenter can't write relationships between men and women. You know, bro relationships, great. You know, but this is just bizarre. Or maybe it's has directed. Anyway, they they kiss. And no, I mean... Bagging a nurse is definitely an achievement they are. You know... Some of them, not all of them. But at the same time, this is fucking weird. This is some weird ass shit. 
no chemistry. There's the anti-chemistry. And also, she's on duty, mate. You don't mess up her uniform. Oh, I see. They're going to get around there. She looks like she's about to take off, but she doesn't. Well, we don't see it. Oh, shots of various parts of hostel. Still don't understand geography. And Laurie is still asleep. And this... She's got far nicer bed and pillows than I've ever seen in hostel. And now she's having dream sequence. Because why wouldn't she have dream sequence? And it's a really weird artsy dream sequence. John Carpenter's really drank the shit out. Oh, and there's Michael in the asylum. We see his face and Laurie's like, I know him, I know him. And it's like, what? I hate I hate the twist coming up by the way. It's really bad. I get that John Carpenter came up, said this thing he could to continue movies, but it's such a bad twist. But on the flip side, it gives Michael reason to do what he's doing, except it doesn't give him reason to do what he's doing because it doesn't make any sense. Oh, the nurse stripping off behind a um a blurred out glass mirror so we can see the outline. And there's a fucking jacuzzi in the fucking hospital. What the fuck is going on? And the bunk paramedics is in it when she's dating, I guess. And he's watching her playing partition. He's like, oh, yeah. And he's like, oh, no, she's putting a, she's putting a robe on or something. Or a towel. She, why is she putting a towel on going jacuzzi? You know, it's like, I got to strip these, you know. Why would you bother at this point? It's just a waste of a towel. Such a waste. Oh, now we get a shot of her. You know, topless. Because, you know, that's what American TV would want. Now getting hot on. Why is so much time being verbed on this shitty storyline? It's something I have an awful Friday 13th movie. It really is. The anti-chemistry, a sex scene for no reason other than, hey, you know, we got to save foreign rights, you know. And the inevitable aspect of Michael murdering both of them. It's such a weird... I don't, like... Oh, Michael's fucking with the pot tub. Is he turning water up? or Oh, he's turning temperature up. See, why is Michael... I don't understand why Michael is doing these fucking temperatures and shit. You know, I don't understand why he's acting this way. That doesn't really make any sense. He's either smart or not. And if he's smart, why hasn't he found Laurie already? And also, how does this work? They can just get out of the hot tub. There's no logic to this trap. They can just get out of the hot tub. Oh my god. Oh, we're getting off shot. Oh, he's not going to get out of the hot tub. He's going to. Well, he is going to get out of the hot tub. He's going to go and turn the temperature down. This is neatly complex by Michael. I don't understand his logic. Yeah. All these two not wondering why temperature went up. Anyway, she sat on the side. She's like, it's a bit warm, but you know. Or Michael comes up and he garrots the paramedic, you know, as you do. 
And some reason this woman doesn't hear paramedics scream, despite the fact that he would be screaming up a storm. And also Michael takes out very quickly and then looks at this woman and says, like, are you my sister? And she doesn't respond and she doesn't hear move because apparently Michael moves so gracefully you can't hear his footsteps. And this woman's still talking, sort of like, paramedic, paramedic. And Michael walks in and he's going to finish her off now. These things are uncomfortable to watch. Like, they seem to have weirdly sexualized this movie. You know? It's a bit crass. Just a bit. Florida's nice, so this movie's pretty shoddy, but you know, what can you do? Well, she's about realising that she's not kissing my paramedic. You know, you think she would know what his hands feel like, but I don't know, I don't hate horror movies. The way Michael is now, he's drowned her underwater, pulls her up, puts her back in. His temperature keeps rising. But will Michael's hand get burned too? Why would you allow Jacuzzi go that high in the first place? Yeah. And also, what I this I never understood in horror movies when they put a person's face on the water, pull them out, and then put back in. Why not just keep it there? And also, I don't like. I don't um, the exploitative the exploitative nature of horror movies gets me sometimes. You know, where like they're like. Saying to someone, imagine doing like 20 takes of that scene. You're topless, we're going to drown you. Do it again, topless, drown you. 20 takes of that scene, that just feels really, really uncomfortable. And I couldn't imagine asking anyone to have to do that shit. Anyway, they're at this asylum, and Loomis is looking at pictures of Michael's drawings when he's a kid. And so, like, Loomis, you don't really know this shit. You were his primary psychiatrist. You know? Like, Here's the thing. Loomis must know that Laurie and Michael are brother and sister. He must. So if he knows, then why the fuck Oh, for some reason Sam Haynes be ring on the wall because they want us to believe that Michael is a reincarnation of Sam Haynes because they need to go explicitly supernatural with it. And I'm starting to realise there's a reason why they stopped, they had to reboot this franchise three times, four times. You know, because you got Halloween 5, you got H2O, you got Rob Zombie's Halloween, and you got new Halloween 2 that's not Halloween 2. Sorry guys, I'm so bored. Plus, like, there's only 38 minutes left, you know, of this dragged out fucking TV stretch time movie. And not worse, but I got Howling Free the next year. Jesus Christ, I gotta get, I gotta drag something to do this with because this is, I don't know about you guys, but like doing this solo move like this is torture. It really is. It's just. Like, I can do it, I'll get some time, but, like, 
my God, I'm watching scenes of Loomis smoking cigarettes. I don't know who the fuck this woman is, but he's smoking cigarettes with her and they're talking. And I was like, I'm picking up nothing. I got nothing. There's no sense that this... I mean, I, I have to assume this was first draft that Carpenter did, because Carpenter's such a good guy with structure and things like that. And I'm sure when they look at the script, they're like, that's good, we can use that, because it's John Carpenter and he's, he's exceptional at that sort of stuff. But he would have probably himself done three or four drafts, but, you know, he just thought, fuck it, I'll do something which just can just about be produced. Not too expensive, not too off the wall, you know. So, and he achieved it. I mean, he he made a howling too. So Laurie, I don't know, someone in the room with her, you know. Do you think John Carpenter watched Empire Strikes Back before he made this, and was like, oh, I need family twist, you know, and. Paramedics in room, Laurie's in a coma. Why is this paramedic still here? I mean, I don't understand, you know. It's dozens of deaths that happened last night and they're still in this fucking room. Apparently, Laurie is out cold, she's comatose because she's just realising that she's Michael's sister and she's like, no, no, how can I bury these memories so deep? And we're cutting from room to room now. I don't understand how or why. You know, but we're still doing it. And you're reminded that we're live in sunny Florida. We're sponsored by Anchor, the podcast, you know, not Butter. The podcast of App of Champions. You know, it's just, you know, there is actually a sponsorship thing in there. But, you know, I'm trying to keep these uh, podcast specials a bit more integrity than that not really working because you know this is not terribly <laughs> impressive this year you know you can't win them all as i'm proving with this one but long flip side would you watch howling two twice and i think the answer would be no so you know shut the fuck up and just listen to my voice oh, i'm trying and who the fuck's this asshole Seriously, so many characters in the fucking movie. I have no idea who they are. Who's this woman? Is that nurse? She's seeing dead bodies. And it's like, oh no, this is so awfully lit. Fucking Jesus Christ. This is... What the fuck is going on? I can't see anything. Oh, she gets uh, She gets injected through the eye. Through the side of the eye, even. But it's like, that's awful. Like, like I don't... I don't understand. They lit the scene. They lit the scene this way. They chose to light scenes this these ways, right? But when they're in editing, they could make them brighter, you know, or put a filter on them or tone or something. But they thought, no, this is fine. And again, I don't understand jobs of this movie. No, it's like, where are characters in relation to other characters? Where are they? Like, seriously, where are we meant to be at any given time? Just dimly, this reminds me of some of those 
Lighter episodes of Buffy, Vampire Slayer, and Angel in like later seasons. Like there's an Angel episode in season five, a werewolf one, and it's like episode three. And I swear I have no rutting idea what the fuck or where the fuck characters are any given time in relation to other characters. It's just a big blob of mess. It really is. And it's so irritating to watch because they're capable. These people are capable of betting on that. They really are. But I think sometimes they just, they're just doing it to do it. And it just, hmm, it's just really irritating. You know, it's like, they could have done such a better job. They really could have. But they decided not to, because why would they? Why would they? Hmm do 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 they're just walking. They're still walking. Laurie's gone for a walk now. You know, she looks like she needs to piss her pants, but you know. Hopefully she won't because this movie's already classy enough, you know. And Michael's walking up wet. And I just, I really wish there was some basic sense of geography so we know where Michael was in relation to Laurie, because then there'd be a bit of tension. It'd be, is Michael going to catch her? Is Laurie going to get away? But instead, so like, we don't know if they're even in the same hospital. And now she's, Laurie's gone for a phone and she's collapsed because she's barely conscious. And now Michael's walking down the hallway, but it's like, is that hallway she's on? If it is, there's tension. If there's not, there's no tension. But we don't know, because we didn't even get a sense of where she walked, you know? It's just so bad. And now she's falling down. And also, like, making her... I get why they made Laurie into this character... And gave her this rowing movie. But this is a fucking waste of Jamie Lee Curtis's talents. This is purely making Laurie a victim instead of a proactive woman. You know, it's just like it's a first act, maybe. You know, but we're in third act now, and she's still this caring, scared little woman. And it's really irritating because she's meant to be stronger than that. And you can immediately see why they ignored all of these fucking sequels and just start from scratch, you know. I mean, because New Howie movie also goes down post-traumatic stress disorder route, but does a far more interesting job with it. This is just a waste, an art waste of her talents. And it had to be something contractual about this to get her back, you know, because... This is, I can't imagine her wanting to come back and do this shite. And this is complete shite. 
It's complete bollocks. Back to Loomis. Loomis hasn't even got to the hospital yet. And there's only like fucking 29 minutes left in this shitty movie, which thank God. But like, how can you do that? It's not even a speed up to him getting to the hospital. It's just, oh, he hasn't got there yet. It's like, surely the first thing he would do would be, I'm going to see if Laurie's alright. Because Michael tried murdering her and failed. So logically, he would try murdering her again. You know? Also, like, this dark. If ever you guys have seen something called Gareth Moreno's Dark Place, that ruins horror movie setting hostels. Not that you can't do a good horror movie setting hostel, but that is one of the greatest pieces of comedic parody ever. It's perfect. But also, it's a lot more tense than this. Even if it's a comedy, it nails all horror tropes. It's a really, really, really good piece of... Um, TV. It keeps saying I'll bring it back, but it's like it's so, so perfect in its distilled form that you know I don't know if I'd want it come back, but you know who knows. Anyway, um, more wandering around by random nurses who I don't think be named, who are just fodder for Michael. Oh, and one in that creepy pervy paramedic is still alive, but he's you think he's gonna fuck this nurse because he can't fuck Jamie. Well, you know, you're probably right. No, it's the movie's almost over. Near enough set scene. And also, here's the thing: John Carpenter doesn't realise the way the kid, the teens acted in the first movie, all being all horny and stuff like that. That makes sense. But these are meant to be trained nurses and paramedics, and you're writing them like the horny teenagers from the first movie. That's weird. Like this, this paramedic has been his early twenties. Laurie's barely 17 and he's putting moves on her that's weird and also there is a question how old is michael meant to be because laurie hasn't finished high school yet but michael is he older than her but if he's older than her does i don't understand the logistics of that if he's older than her how like i, I don't follow i don't i mean this is a complex narrative anyway Clearly, but it's almost over. Thank God. But yes, I I I'm aware. I could use the cohort on these ones, and I have ideas. So hopefully, soon. Anyway, the, the nurse is dead. Um, well, one nurse is dead. I can't keep track. The, the nurse doctor is dead, even. Yeah. And blood stripping from something. From her arm. Michael gave her an intravenous infusion. Or did he, or did he do a blood infusion? No, because there's blood everywhere. So. This is a weird movie. Anyway, the... The nurse falls in blood and 
hits so hard that blood splashes out of his mouth. So is he dead? Is he bleeding internally? Like, what the fuck? And when Nub Nurse decides she's had enough and she's going home, most sensible character in the movie, she's running off, you know, from Haddonfield Memorial Hospital. Who would ever go live in Haddonfield? That's what's going to bug me for the rest of this franchise. Like, why would you ever do that? And when she goes to Keith but can't, and she thinks that someone might be in the car with her, you know, Keith went to she gets out of the car and it's like, motherfucker, fuck, 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 she'd be perfect for Loomis. Anyway, the oil's been drained from her car, because apparently Michael's a fucking genius, and he slashed her tyres too, which, I don't understand why, like, sometimes Michael's portrayed as a genius, and other times he's portrayed as a fucking dumbass, like, He's slashing all these tires now, but he still can't find Laurie Strokes. Fight fact that he's being at hostel for half an hour of screen time in this movie. Like, how's the young able to find her? It's a small hospital. No? Anyway, Laurie comes out of the room, the one room Michael didn't check, because why would he check it? And, you know, Loomis still hasn't thought, maybe I should get to a hostel. Maybe sham armed guards by Laurie, considering she's the only survivor of Michael Myers, and she might possibly stay with me now. Be a clue to what's going on. No, that's what the movie struggles with. Like a far more interesting movie be Loomis revealing some of this information, Laurie, because they didn't interact much in the first movie, but they decided to split them up for some reason. And I think the reason that is that they're split up is because they think if Loomis and Laurie talked, all of this stuff be out straight away. But my argument would be, Loomis doesn't have to tear everything, but they should at least have a fucking conversation to start this movie, you know? To set this movie in motion. Anyway, there's only one nurse on duty now, and Michael appears behind her and stabs her in the back. Lifts her off the ground, you know. Impalement, penetration, as you will. And Laurie looks at him and says, like, whatever. And her shoes fall off and she's dropped to the ground. And Laurie's like, now I should run. You know, now I should act. Like, I don't know what take they used for Jamie Lee Curtis before that, but it's a really bad one. When she's running from Michael, Michael's slowly chasing her because that's what he does. And I'm glad these two crazy kids found each other so we can start a fight restart the final act and then this god awful movie Laurie's finally doing practice stuff trying to stop Michael getting her but you know not really you know she's running downstairs and this music's playing it's um at least the music's decent although it's not John Carpenter's best but it's the John Carpenter in general music is really good Laurie's trying to escape now they finally remembered this is meant to be a slasher movie Michael's slowly coming downstairs and I get why they're doing that. They want to keep up the suspense and all of that. But Michael doesn't seem particularly bothered by catching Laurie. Now, I'm not saying he has to run, but like, you know. Anyway, she finds shit in the basement to dead cop who's still dead, and she runs and. She hears running, 
but it can't be Michael. Michael doesn't run, but Michael's there. He's slowly advancing on her. And Laurie climbs up to a window. Michael's still slowly advancing. And she's going to go out the window, hopefully. And she does, and... Oh, they're classy enough not to... They're classy enough not to give us an underwear shot, which is very classy and very restrained of them. You know? And she falls down into another room, you know. And she's running, and she's crawling through some wooden boxes which were conveniently there. And, you know... She's still moving. And it, it's a little bit better now, but still pretty poor. That blue light's quite cool. But see, it's a bit too little too late, really, you know. I love that there's three attempts to fucking... Three attempts just with Jamie Lee Curtis to do Halloween 2. It's just mind-blowing, it really is. No, like F1 says, Halloween 3 was the low point for this franchise. Fucking hell. Like, Michael. I just. My issue with Michael is he's so effective at killing off people, but he's so awful at coming off Laurie. And it's like. I don't understand it. It doesn't make any sense. Anyway, his hand gets caught in the left, and then he lets it go. And left opens from the other side. And Laurie runs and she's still bleeding, but she's still alive. She runs out of the Oh, Loomis, can you show up? Can you fucking something to put this movie into a degree of excitement? Because Laurie running from Michael Myers is not very entertaining. Oh, 72 minutes of talking. I am. Wow, I am definitely a podcast guy. You know, it's just... It's tough sometimes. It's really tough with a move like this, where you're just watching, you're like, oh my fucking God, I want to have breakfast, I want to go sit by the jacuzzi, but like, no, you got to finish it. And I hope this movie's got like 50 minutes of fucking commercials, I really do. And this is just... I don't really know what they're thinking of this movie other than with near sequel but this isn't even similar to Halloween you know this it feels like a much different movie to that movie so it doesn't make any sense it's like if you had to make a movie why didn't you fucking just literally do a beat by beat of the first movie I'm sure some would say they did but it's just maybe it's execution maybe where Loomis finally fucking going to hostel, which he should have gone to an hour and 13 minutes ago, you douchebag. So for Laurie to hostel, had a chat with her, and then start movie. He can even keep stuff from her. She can ask him who Michael is, and he'll be like, he's just a bad man, he's just an evil man. No, that's it. That's all you need to say. And then when they meet up later in the movie, he can apologise to her. They're both on the run, he can say... No, that's why Michael's after you. And then you get Laurie running from Loomis. Loomis trying to find Laurie, and Michael trying to find Laurie. And then Loomis finds her, sacrifices himself for her. And then Laurie takes out Michael once and for all. But you no, know, I like I said I don't like to. Argue. I don't like to argue. What here? 
you can't change it, you know, you won't. When they're making the movie, they have certain criteria to fulfill, which armchair quarterbacks don't, you know. You always have to deal with, how would you make this movie if you had the same players, same locations, the same basic events, and the same budget? How would you do the movie? That's how you should approach it. If you have unlimited resources and unlimited capabilities to change the movie, that's not creativity. Creativity is, you have to make this same movie, all these elements, keep them neat, keep these set pieces, but how to do it differently. And that's true creativity. And I would not have Loomis sitting in car with some random woman flirting with her at the hour 14 mark of fucking Howie movie. I would not do it. I'm sorry. I know they won't give Donald Pleasant stuff to work with, and I respect that, but not like this. Because this shit should not be in the movie. He finally, only just now, decided they need to go to the hospital. I don't understand why. That that bugs me. The rest of the movie's fine. That screams we literally could not figure our way to have Loomis and Laurie in the same place at the same scene until this time. And that is direct rip off the first movie. And that irritates me. You know. Because that's... I mean, I'd say this is pretty much a remake of First Halloween, but done worse in the hospital. You know, that's so annoying because Laurie does. You could have literally done this exact same movie without Laurie Strode in it, and it worked better because she's playing, she's doing the exact same thing she did in the last movie, but in a less interesting way. Luckily, it's. Fucking thing's almost over, thank God. It's pervy paramedic. I hope he gets the most brutal death. I really do. Such a piece of shit. Such a douchebag. Seriously, he, this guy should never be allowed near human beings was he dead or I guess so where Laurie runs out and is is he dead oh she can she's well enough to drive a car now apparently she's escaped Michael somehow right fact she went for windows in the room next to him the car doesn't work, despite the fact that the horn does. Laurie falls out in the car, and this isn't really QB Volume 1, is it? No. Jamie Lee Curtis is, is such a good actor, ever made so many shit movies, but never had payback for it, or any repercussions. Because we all love Jamie Lee Curtis, she's an awesome, awesome talent, but she's made some dog shit over the years. And yet, no one's ever heard it against her. It's like, no, she's still great. She made training places, so. Well, Loomis finally gets in fucking hospital. And Laurie's literally right in front of him. And he doesn't see her like a fucking arsehole. Despite screaming, no one reacts to her. Fucking death perception, Loomis, you twat.
and they're literally reenacting the same shit from the end of the last movie in a hospital. No. Give this movie restraint. They're not sexualizing Laurie Strode at all, and that's very impressive. Given how creepy these sort of movies are to main female characters. Anyway, Michael is bathed in red light. And that's soul, but he's Sam Hain after all. Now he's walking towards Laurie. Where the fuck? How's he coming from that direction? Laurie's banging on the door, despite the fact that they're open second go. Apparently they're automatic doors which open when they feel like. This is a really small hospital. And now Cots finally heard Laurie. Laurie, he's running to let her in. Although the door should be fucking automatic to open anyway. And Loomis is finally there running for And Michael's outside. And finally, they're going to talk, you know. And she's like, you fucking assholes. And Michael's walking up the doors. And Loomis like, I'll shoot you. And Michael's like, you shot me before, you douchebag. Oh, Michael walks through the door. And Loomis shoots him. And Michael, I shoot you. You go down. And Michael's like, oh, no, you shot me. I can't force a balcony this time. I guess the implication is that Michael got blood transfusion, but why we need blood transfusion? Loomis losing shit. Maybe show me the head next time you take it. Oh, is that maybe Laurie's mum? I, I guess that's meant to be the mum. But she doesn't look old enough. Don't do that. Double tap him, you fuckhead. Double tap. Oh shit, Michael murders the cop, slits his throat, and they're going to run from supernatural Michael Myers. They're going to have to blow this into hostel up, aren't they? And also, the the brother thing, it's not been a big part of this movie at all. I assumed it'd be like the midpoint twist or something, but... Anyway, there's not too long left, thank God, because, you know... Because um, the, the post-show's got to be up next soon, surely. You know, you got to do a post-show. Which is going to be an interesting experience. Definitely an interesting experience in post-show to this piece of shit. Don't worry, it won't be as long as the um, uh, opening show. Because you know, nothing will be that long. But it'll be uh, an okay length, I guess. You know, just to wrap up here. Explain. Apologise. Now Laurie's mum's on the phone. And she's like... Rah, 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 Rubber, rubber, rubber. Everyone's like, no, Laurie's mum, no. And she's like, rubber, rubber, rubber. Rubber, rubber, rubber. My voice is hoarse. Uh, if I get laryngitis from this, that'll be fucking brilliant, won't it? I do this for you guys, like, I do it for my loyal viewers. 
and this fucking thing thought that would stop me doing this country so it stopped recording for some reason but i'm not giving up so this fucking we're gonna finish this shit i'm at one minute one hour 22 43 and we're, we're not giving up i'm finishing this fucking movie loomis is michael he's loomis gets stabbed because he's too stupid to pull the trigger and he's like Fuck! and he falls backwards like a big pudgy pudge and laurie's like jesus christ jamie lee curtis like in this fucking shit and she's scream michael just do it michael just end this franchise once and for all time paradox and all that shit fucking do it piece of shit jamie lee curtis is saying she doesn't want being any more fucking movies like how intrigued be about fucking soothe a shamrock frog give shit fuck you michael fuck you and michael's like don't say that he looks at him he's like i'm not gonna kill you now He's like, what? He's like, I'm, I'm not going to do it. We, we're, we're family. Why did I murder you? He's like, you just tried to murder me in the last movie. But then she's got a gun. Boom! Headshot. Boom! Headshot. Michael's like, you made me bleed my own blood. And he's like, he's bleeding from the eyes. He's, he's like, Jesus on the cross. He's like, ah. So Michael's like, oh, fuck my head. Oh, the headache. And Loomis, like, motherfucker stabbed me so he's swinging like an arsehole and it's like ah and loomis is like my guts my guts my guts but he grabs a fucking something anyway i don't know what and michael's swinging like a douchebag and loomis is like I, i'm gonna pick up this tank of fucking methane gas and it's like laurie run we're gonna set some motherfucker on fire and michael's like rah rah swing like an arsehole and Laurie's like we can set off a massive explosion we can burn this motherfucker alive you know it worked on guiding the Michael Mars to work on this guy in the Michael Mars surely and Michael swing like a big big mongoose big mongoose little motherfucker he swings like rah, rah, rah. And Laurie's like fuck you Michael and he's like rah, rah, rah. And Michael's swinging like a piece of shit. It's like, my fucking eyes. You took my eyes. Oh, swing. 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 And Loomis is like, Laurie, get outside. We're going to burn this motherfucker alive. And Laurie's like, but how can I get past him? And Loomis like, duck. Duck and roll. So she runs and Michael's still swinging like a big, big dumb mongoose. Loomis is like, fuck you, Michael. And Loomis blows up the hospital. Oh, so I guess that's him for Loomis then. And he's blown that shit sky high. Yeah. Loomis can't possibly have survived that. So, you yeah. know, that's the end for the franchise, folks. Um, got six minutes of credits left. I've got... Well, no, actually, this movie's still over yet because, you know, fire can't take out Michael, can it? No, no siree. You know, Oh shit, there's Michael. He's actually walking through fire because, you no, know, he's a fucking demonically possessed by Sam Hain. As if Sam Hain won't anything to do with a wanker like this. Michael was like, Rah! I'm on fire! Rah! Fucking no! Ow! Ow! Shit! Oh fuck! Ow! Ow! My face! Oh, you motherfucker! Ow! Fuck! Rah! 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 And then it's next morning. My voice is really hoarse now, sorry. Uh, next morning, they're at a hospital and they're um, fucking walking around and 
there's smoke everywhere and they're like Laurie should we explain what happened and then this cop's like I'm not Laurie and he's like oh yeah you, just, you look like Jamie Lee Curtis from the side he's like it's fucked we're fucked man and the other cop's like we're fucked it's like we're fucked you know we're fucked we, we, we walked in shit happened you know it's just like 9-11 the other cop's like how could it be like that it hasn't happened for 20 something years and it's like it's 9-11 this is our 9-11 how did feel it's 9-11 you know fucking a monster attacked the hospital is Laurie's going back in a fucking ambulance you've got to be kidding me you just took her out of one an hour went to the hospital she went in a fucking ambulance again I put her back in ambulance she's literally it where are you taking her you're driving an ambulance away from a hospital which just blew up. That's the only hospital you have in Haddonfield. That's the only one. Smoke everywhere. This is not the fog. Why is there so much smoke? What the fuck is going on? That can't be it. That can't be it. No, we cut Laurie in the car and she's like, I'll never forget this night. As Jamie Lee Curtis says, I'm not doing any of these fucking movies for at least 19 years. And she sees Michael burning firing her vision. And Michael's like, fuck you, Laurie, fuck you. Oh, my God, the pain, the burn, the fire. Oh, my God, Laurie. Oh, my God, Laurie. Oh, my God. And that's it. That's the movie. I, I have no words. I have no words, guys. absolutely no words that was really bad that was really really bad that's so bad that my voice hurts um oh, apparently dana carvey was an assistant in the movie which sounds wonderful uh annie was played by nancy loomis which sounds even better um my voice is fucked oh <laughs> actually fucked I feel very hoarse I don't know what that means <coughs> um, other than the fact my voice is really hoarse but that's Halloween 3 um, Halloween 2 um, that was uh, not a very good movie um, by any stretch of the imagination um, so you know what can you do um Except your voice go very, very hoarse. Um, yeah, I think I would have to pre-show, kick-off show, post-show another day <coughs> uh, when my voice comes back because um, my voice is really, really fucked now. <laughs> um, it sounds deep, it sounds gravelly, but it's not what it was. Um, how many people weren't on this fucking movie? I'd like to thank everyone for listening. Um, a post show will be up next. Um, but I'd just like to say thank you for listening. Um, this was... I, I always find these sort of ones I'm amazed I get to fucking end, to be honest. Because to, to keep talking for now... Like, that's not my default thing in life. To talk for that long. I'm not terribly social person you know i like people i like i like hanging out with people um friends and family and things like that and other people of course but i'm not a very social person this is like for me this shit's like performance art and it's really fucking difficult because this isn't 
my fault setting. And I don't, re- I don't read this in character anymore. To be honest, this is pretty much just me, you know. But managing to do this for this long is fucking difficult. And I, I'd like to just have people come out and admit that whether they like podcasts or not. I do this weekly. I do solo. I'd love to do it with someone so my voice won't feel so hoarse. But I put a lot of effort into this shit. And I know it's not best podcast, it's not most professional, it's not best quality in terms of sound or technically, or even actual content or things like that, but Jesus Christ, like, I put a lot of effort into shit, and I never how into it, like, you know, you'll never get dim lighting here, you'll get dim sound, but lighting will always be perfect, because it's in your mind, lighting's in your mind, as I look through these credits, and I seen that they had Mr. Sandman by the Cordettes and they had footage from Night of the Living Dead which is one of the best horror movies of all time this is not one of the best horror movies of all time this was shit this was a a reminder that just because you're a good director doesn't mean and good writer doesn't mean you're a good writer for us people um, anyway this was copyright 1981 Dino the De Laurentiis. Um, special thanks to Jean and Louise Bramson. I'll give thanks to Church of Scientology, which has given me a lot of joy currently in life, you know. Uh, it was restrict- rated R, and we're coming up to the end of the podcast now, or the end of this particular part of the podcast, the main show. Like, thank everyone for listening, and remember, post show is coming up in just a few seconds, so stay tuned, and I'll see you in just a tick. <laughs>